Welcome to Live a Larger Life, episode 19. Uh, this is a conversation in reference to an article uh, by Betsy Morris, came out in the Wall Street Journal on January the 8th, uh, talking about zapping yourself into shape. And I wanted to reflect upon it in conversation so that those listening could um, maybe take some principles that come from it. And hopefully with those principles, uh, you could take it and look at every other trend uh, or any other particular trend that comes along claiming to uh, be efficient um, and so that we don't forget that it takes hard work and it takes uh, actual willingness and physical challenges in order to create uh, resiliency and um, uh, a strong immune system, really. Um, I can't say that I will stop using strong immune system because that's essentially what you get in the end. But you have to remember that immunity is not just, you know, in a post-COVID light seen as everything connected to T-cell formation or uh, blood cell clotting or uh, vaccines or viruses or et cetera. Um, you, you know, your immune system is is quite large and, um, and it also is fairly complex. Um, just on the back end of reviewing uh, the notes that Robbie Gustin and I had on uh, philosophy uh, of simplicity and fitness. Um, and you can reference the fitness and velocity podcast that was just released, uh, just based upon that. Um, the immune system is complex. Um, but the, uh, again, to the understanding and knowledge about it, um, it's not just those things. It's got to do with uh, people's uh, genetics. Uh, what you've been given. Um, it's got to do with uh, your upbringing and your environment. It's got to do with uh, your experiences uh, in your life. And it does have to do with the basic plan that's amongst all humans in regards to how uh, humans interact with invaders in the environment. And the only way that you're going to uh, strengthen that system is not through outside sources. Uh, this seems like, I guess, a similar thread to the supplement idea, but it has to come from within. That's why I'm calling this zapping from the inside out. Uh, I need individuals just to see this particular uh, critique of a concept of efficiency through zapping themselves through EMS in particular workout zones that is apparently trendy from what Betsy Morris says anyways, um, and and pull out these pull out these principles that you must have in place in order to create the strongest uh, system to be your strongest self. And uh, uh, I won't apologize for it, but there's no such thing as a free lunch. Um, you have to work for that. Now, the common thing that it'll be used in these trends, especially for the culture today and fitness, and if I could try at least to be a voice for that, uh, I am definitely uh, someone who's pro-work uh, and effort. Um, so before you want to come to any uh, conversation uh, with me or debate on uh, a particular item, let's just say it's this, which is uh, efficiency of exercise, um, make sure that you have a well-defined aspect of effort and uh, hard work inside of that. Otherwise, 
in the culture today, a lot of coaches or a lot of systems can't complain around this bullshit trend efficiency uh, paradigm uh, because they'll they'll uh, be uh, labeled as uh, someone who's oppressing those who, and this is uh, Betsy's words, not mine, who can't or won't exercise. And uh, we can't have that. We can't have that in, in fitness. Um, and to the people that are, for those who are uh, creating this, and um, because I just, uh, you know, I, I know there's probably out of 65 companies that uh, create these particular ideas, uh, 64 of them are, are nefarious, uh, meaning that, yeah, they have a shit ton of employees that are working on this happening, but uh, it's all based upon getting inside of the broken medical system, right, and getting money for that. And I know that's the case again and again, especially with this zapping and EMS thing is because inside of it, they always include this little area that says, oh, the expert at which we spoke to said that this could help people who are frail or obese. It's always in there, right? That's what I call the rehabilitative or therapeutic paradigm. That's the heartstrings that they'll pull at, right? They'll always go after that. And that's where you know that it's fraudulent and it's shitty. And the, the, the coaches that are promoting this should be fired. I know they never will, but they shouldn't be out there. They shouldn't be allowed to coach. And don't, um, don't come back to me with, oh, but it's going to help uh, people who can't. Uh, you, th th you, you need to exhaust that out. You need to exhaust that out. Um, and don't tell me if it's exhausted. Oh, it, we tried everything, but they can't. What, what do you mean by tried everything? Because I've been in multiple different systems, and I've spoken about it before um, with regards to other areas, one particularly being the obesity happening amongst the young Latino population in Phoenix and listening to doctors stand up and say, um, we've exhausted all the lifestyle options. Really? Well, how about you lay out all the shit that you did in order to try to exhaust the lifestyle options? Because when you dig inside of that, which my point I'm making based upon this usual excuse, you didn't exhaust anything, right? You didn't exhaust uh, the, the, the competency, the capabilities, the uh, fitness intelligence, uh, the growing of fitness intelligence for that person. You didn't do that. So don't, don't tell me that people can't. And if you, if you want to say, well, yeah, but some people won't. Well, that gives you even more reason to not offer EMS and charge people $95 per session for 50 sessions. Yes, that's exactly what it costs. $95 per session for 50 sessions. $95 per session for 50 sessions. $4,700 roughly. Okay, even if my math's wrong, $4,500. So Betsy Morris goes on in the article to speak, of course, to the experts and to the practitioners and to the people uh, that are using this. And uh, it's, it's under the fitness section or the wellness section or whatever. And you'll find it under Wall Street Journal, but you'll find it under New York Times. You'll find it everywhere. The same particular article. And that's what I want you to pull from this is that these individuals in this system are not the purveyors of what people should do for uh, vitality improvements. And this is another sign of it. What are they, they going to tell you? They're going to tell you to depend upon something. So it just makes money move around. 
they're creating dependency. You have to depend on that trainer now. You have to depend on the machine. And what they're not preaching, what they're not preaching, because they're scared shitless to do it, is to tell people that you're responsible for yourself and that you have to work hard to improve your strength and resiliency. The the argument that they use inside, again, you need to you need to read between the lines. I mean, really pay attention to it. But it's really uh, the the idea, you know, that they're going to help people inside of it is very similar uh, bait and switch that you've seen with regards to nutrition, right? Uh, the, like the previous commentary on supplements, the same idea. So they're using the same premise um, here for physical challenges, right? They'll make it emotional. Um, you know, oh, they, they'll use victimology. They'll use the woe me. They'll use, um, you know, uh, oh, but we have this problem and here's the fix. We, we have, we have an issue and dot, dot, dot. This is this, this is the solution for it, right? How can you argue against that, right? It's very difficult. Because anyone reading that who maybe actually wants to learn more about improving their vitality or is interested in, in things, I don't know, like uh, building a family, uh, living till they're 85, um, you know, working out when they're 60, you know, and not having to rely on medicine or surgery, etc. You know, some people are interested in that. They're getting it from, they're getting that emotional tint inside of it. And so then that person goes, oh, yeah, it must be a good thing, right? And they didn't even think about uh, in their practices and repetition through multiple different ways in the day, they didn't even think about the fact that they have to do the work themselves. Betsy goes on to say, or for quote, actually, from the article, that's, that it, this particular idea is an efficient way to build muscle and strength, an efficient way to build muscle mass and strength. This is true, you know, is true. Meaning what I mean by that in truth is that uh, they, Betsy attached some studies to that you could look at. Um, I could give you numerous studies that would show you in the actual data, right? In the actual data that, uh, that uh, you you put this particular idea together, you get these humans to go through it, and then you have these outcomes, right? I mentioned the same thing multiple times with regards to the intense model, right? If you scare the shit out of people for four weeks, do you get a thermogenic response at the end of it? Yeah, you do, right? Yeah, you do. But don't take that entire thermogenic response that you got with deconditioned people for four weeks and turn it into a juggernaut like intense fitness in group classes for 30 years. That's exactly what happened, right? So it's the same idea. True, you can uh, build muscle mass and strength because like in the data, it showed it. They took these frail or obese individuals, you know, gave them the stimulation. Lo and behold, uh, more muscle mass, right? I'm not even going to qualify what more means because then you're getting into the weeds and argument that no one wants to see. The fact will remain is still more muscle mass. And they gain strength, right? 
Yeah, the grip dynamometer went up like two. And those who know would, would see the, the lunacy, lunacy inside of that. But it is true, right? But, but the word efficient is nefarious. The word efficient is nefarious. Because if you're talking about efficiency for living, that's incorrect. It's not efficient for living. You're actually making things more challenging. Why? Because you're creating a compensatory system. You're relying on outside sources in order to create the energy to withstand physical challenges. It's not built from within. This is the whole point of recognizing that we have electricity inside of us that must come from our own thoughts and perceptions and actions and creation and imagination. And it must push outwards against a force. It can't, you can't be reactive to that. So if I, if I push, if I put electrical, electrical shit on my body, regardless of the outcome of strength or muscle mass improvements, if I put that shit on my body and I react to it, even though I'm moving my arm up and down with a tennis ball in my hand as opposed to a weight, it is not efficient for vitality. It's actually making you a weaker human. Weaker emotionally because you're becoming dependent on a machine and weaker physically because over time you will not be able to react to true functional lifestyle invaders. So if you want to create a host of individuals, a host of individuals, I shouldn't say host, a, a billion. If you want to create a billion of weaker individuals, do you know what you should do? You should keep them in their homes for two years. You should, you should make them be scared shitless emotionally around an invader. That's how, that's how you create a shit ton of weaker people, right? So how do you create a, a ton of weaker physically people? You make them reactionary in their responses to those invaders and those physical uh, challenges by zapping them. That's how you do it. So can you see how uh, this, is a, this is a perfect example of the science, right? The science, right? We got data that shows this to be true. Right? Can you see that? I'm hoping you're connecting there, right? I just listened to um, a, uh, which is kind of ironic, uh, an economist talk about parenting because she's so strong in numbers and her, her name is Emily Oster. So strong arguments, right? What does she use? She doesn't use her vast 1,000, 1,000 consultation experience like I have around speaking to people, around parenting. No, she doesn't use that, right? Or she doesn't use uh, like my partners um, in the medical field or psychological field that also had the same idea, right? 3,000, 5,000 consultations with real people around parenting. No, no, no. She doesn't use that. You know, she uses, she uses data, right? She uses science. But the, the science in that, just like this, is so strong that humans will listen to that. And 
again, I'll repeat, you're, you have to, if, if you are a consumer or seeing these trends particularly pass through, pass by, if you are, um, an individual who is, is, uh, telling people about how they have to strive through hard work and physical challenge to improve their immune system and you're having a hard time getting through to them, right? If you are in that boat, um, you need to recognize that you will never, you will never be able to have white papers or science in front of you that you could just slap your clients with numerous times um, or paper cut them to make them recognize that that's going to be the motivating factor uh, that spreads to their family members and everyone else, because you know, it's science. You're not going to get it. And you're not going to get it in the, in, in the particular area, especially for fitness and health or health and fitness. Um, and especially in this particular area, because as I said, we could all make it work, right? And just in case to keep going on that thread, you want to do your reading on it. Research John Ioannidis, uh, Scott Atlas, and Jay Bhattacharya's. Uh, just, just, just read their history. Read a read a really eloquent ten year history of those three individuals, and then come back to me and tell me how effective uh, science is when it's up against culture and when it's up against politics. Just tell me that. It's it it is it's not parallel. And it's not uh, a similar kind of uh, conspiratorial concept of, uh, you know, the, the big machine moving around and making money work for individuals selling these particular pieces of bullshit equipment, uh, saying that people are going to be healthier. No, it's not, it's not parallel, but it's the, it's the same. It's the same shit, right? It's the same idea. The history of uh, fitness is fraught with this. The reason why it's so uh, it's it's been there for a while. Fitness is so easy to pick on, so easy to pick on. You know, the people that move the levers uh, for thirty years are just looking at it, being like, "Oh, these are like a ton of suckers, a ton of suckers, uh, users and fitness coaches, a ton of suckers." Um, that could could be able to spread to their clients. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to be dependent on this system. You need to be dependent on this thing. They're just, they're loving it, right? And they unfortunately have uh, connected it to uh, medicine, and they've connected it to performance, and uh, they got a winner. And now we have a sh a shit ton of people who. Um, are don't even don't even comprehend the idea that you've got to work for your food, and not in the neurotic sense of work for your food, uh, but the the biological, evolutionary, historical sense of that. So, uh, what do we do with it? Do we just be like, well, I mean, that's just what, uh, that's just what, uh, Johnny who's 50 is going to say, and Johnny won't comprehend it. 
yeah, but Johnny's uh, kid is also not going to comprehend it. And now you're two or possibly three generations deep in that. And you're just going to give up in it if you're a fitness coach? No. No, you have to make that person recognize that it is up to them. They've got to do it. And anything that you see inside of there, water workouts, uh, I forget what the fancy, aquasize, I think it was called, aquasize, ellipticals, um, even intensity, uh, air quotes, intensity could be class. Anything that you see inside of there that's easier, please hesitate of making the recommendation. Please hesitate before you say, yeah, but it's a great entry. No, you know what's an entry to? It's an entry to dependency. That's what it's an entry to. See the elliptical just like the zapping. See the elliptical just like EMS. I mean, I didn't even, I could have I stopped after I said exactly the cost of this. Shouldn't cost be an indication that there's something wrong with this? After all that I've said with regards to picking up rocks and walking and the freedom around that, okay, you don't have rocks, then do some push-ups and lunges in the park. Oh, you don't have a park? Oh, do push-ups and lunges in your house. Oh, that's going to become too easy over time? Well, then end up doing jump lunges and clap push-ups. Oh, but I can do clap push-ups and jump lunges? Well, then shut up. Stop complaining. Keep going. Do the same thing. Oh, but it's going to get boring? That's too bad. You're resilient enough. Do you see the... It's, but all those, all those modalities I just given there are free. There's no cost to that. $95 per session for 50 sessions. Right? Let's, let's not also forget that the, uh, the, the hook that they use inside of there for influence is that, oh, but you may only need to do it once a week. Right? It, it can be a supplement <laughs> or an addition to the workout program. Right? It could be supplementary to your uh, traditional um, exercise program that you're partaking in. That's another pull. No, this, and it's, <clears throat> this is what I, this is my insight, or this is how I got into recognizing my aha moment around um, material, items, um, materialism, uh, physicality, physics, um, uh, something rather than nothing, uh, objective versus subjective. My aha moments came when I started doing research in memorial with what was called the interpolated twitch technique um, in, in, in short order form where how I can connect all this in my analysis of research methods, science, uh, electricity, exercise, willingness, intentions, outcomes, etc. All of this uh, comes from those aha moments in that lab where I made, um, <laughs> I'm laughing, I'm not sure if Loman is listening in or Paul White or Justin, um, Steve Pike, who else, Jeff O'Coin. Man, I made a number of people go through a lot of pain where 
I set them up. I'm sorry, I should be giggling, but this is, you know, this is science. This is research. Uh, so basically, I hooked these guys up to electricity, right? Um, um, let's just call it a, a, a an EMS machine on steroids on their bicep, and uh, it would basically give them. And I'm just making it short here, so I don't have to. I, mean, I would assume I'm not speaking to 85 uh, scientists. So, uh, and on that note, I don't want to sound like uh, uh, I know more outside of what I do with it. This, but I just want to make sense of it. I just basically gave them a ton of electricity, and then they had to work against that electricity. Anyways, there was a lot of aha ha moments from that. It helped me determine, you know. Uh, how humans get fatigued, but not also fatigue, but one of the big aha moments that made me question and open up this monstrosity of uh, ideas around willingness and intention was that the individuals that, uh, not only from the work that we did with the player Twitch technique, but uh, just in fitness in general, those that 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 intended that intended on willingly uh, squeezing and contracting as hard as possible, you know, through coercion or yelling or you know whatever we did to basically get it going, they had heightened levels of activation. Uh, and so the aha moments that came from that was that we can create, we, like you yourself, can create a form of electricity in your body. And that form of electricity that you create in your body, plus a bunch of other things that are happening biochemically and, um, yeah, but just a bunch of other things are happening. Hydrostatic changes. Uh, There's a lot of things that are happening. We can create it, and we can we can have that inside. And so I left that research, you know, seeing besides the fact that uh, these guys, like those who EMS, I guarantee you they're going to have lawsuits on their hands with rhabdo or uh, torn muscles because. Their, their body thinks that this is what a functional contraction is. And then they go and do something simple like, uh, I don't know, bend over and pick up a penny in front of Costco. And they, and they uh, uh, just rip apart a uh, part of their spine. You know, it's totally twists and, and breaks, right? And when they get down to the nitty gritty of it, they're going to be like, yeah, but don't you do uh, uh, picking up like this in your functional exercise with your trainer? And they're like, actually, no, I'm just, I'm just hooked up to this suit. And I have to think about picking up a coin in front of Costco. So this is what's going to end up happening. Um, anyways, those are my aha moments that made me recognize that we have to, from within, in our own uh, will, uh, come up with and create these challenges because it strengthens us. And uh, I, I, again, I'll totally, uh, I, I am, I do understand uh, where the, let's call it a gap is in understanding. 
right? Because here's one side of the gap. We don't need to, right? We don't need to do those physical challenges, but we have to. There's the gap. So if you have to do those physical challenges, but, you know, 8 billion people know they don't need to, this is the challenge. So I, I, I do understand that, but, but, so you know what you do if you, if you want to create a, a stronger human or an increased resilience or someone who could ward off disease and more effectively ward off any form of invader, emotionally and physically, you know what you do? They have to create their own physical challenges that become more and more challenging over time. And then we can define what beyond biological capabilities, what, uh, what, what, you know, challenges mean and increase in challenges mean. Um, I'll save that for another time. That's what they need. They need to come up with that and they need to do it. So yes, trying to get more pull-ups at the park um, and not, not being okay with uh, just getting to two is what's going to make you ward off all future uh, diseases and viruses and issues and invaders emotionally and physically. And EMS is not. Zapping yourself from the outside in is not going to fix it. So if you do have to create a, um, a principal idea around this is that there's no such thing as a free lunch. Be skeptical and wary of anything besides the word trend, anything that reports to increase efficiency, right? We don't want efficiency in physical challenges and, a, and adaptation to demands. We don't want that efficiency. That's the last thing we want. Right? We want to have uh, variety, and we want to have uh, variety in intensity, and we want to have consistency of that variety in intensity, and we want to have, um, and that's where, you know, uh, you, you probably heard the word variety intensity, you immediately go back to, well, that's why CrossFit works. No, no, no. CrossFit's not consistent, right? That's where the idea around vitality uh, just knocks over the whole concept of what's buried inside of variety intensity. You need variety, you need intensity um, at the right doses to improve uh, yourself and to keep yourself being challenged. And it's it's just, it, just to repeat on that, it's just in front of you. It's not this it's not this fascinatingly new thing for the new year, right? Uh, the principle should also be, if you're going to participate in that physical challenges, that's just in front of you, that's just a challenge in front of you, you should be able to recover from it fairly quickly and come back and have a new challenge. That's how you know you're connected to consistency. Why? Because we want to continue to do some form of physical challenge that's just enough to improve our resilience and to keep us at a homeostatic level that makes us strong forever, right? Right? Yeah. So I hope so.
And I hope that uh, you could write Betsy Morris at the Wall Street Journal. Um, if anyone just wants to practice their writing, I doubt you're going to get any retort from it. And just kindly say, um, you know, how about the same time you make some reporting or recommendations? Uh, don't just give in to, well, I'm just, in, just the messenger. No, Betsy has a responsibility to provide the public with uh, a historical perspective as to what else is offered in physical challenges. Right? So if she left the end of the article with, so there is this option, but you also could do the really hard work of trying to get to two pull-ups over six years and also trying to improve upon your aerobic capacity beyond the bullshit, you know, 10 minutes that's needed per day, you know, or actually get your, get yourself uh, a cheap $69 Walmart bike and improve biking and don't get a thousand dollar electric bike and to think that you're biking, right? That's what Betsy should finish with the article. So at least she's being honest on that, right? By saying, no, if, if you want to uh, have to do harder work and if you want to uh, have to become super patient and if you want to uh, actually have a sweeter other side by being really vital for the rest of your life, you know, then here's the other option. That's what we would, you should write Betsy and ask her to do the next time. Whenever she's going to promote any form of new, uh, fascinating, trendy concept, make sure that she also says, this is also the much harder way, you know, because then she's being honest in that because it's not easier. The hard way is not easier. Um, and then it's up to you, whether the listener or the coach or the uh, teacher or the person who's out there who's just interested in that, you have to challenge conversation in your with your neighbors and your family, right? And you can't let that sit. You can't let it fester in your head, right? And you also have to fix yourself and look around and say, where am I either giving in or being a role model for the efficient model? which is, I'm calling it another word. It's almost like a postmodernism concept. It's the dependency model, right? You're being dependent upon it. Maybe you're dependent on your wearable. Maybe you're dependent upon a supplement. Maybe you're dependent upon your coach. Maybe you're dependent upon um, an influencer. I know it's hard to take, but you got, you've got, you can't, you can't you can't uh, unknow that once you rec recognize it in yourself. And I'm telling you, it's much it's much it's much better on the other side. So don't be afraid of that freedom. Don't be afraid to write your own programs. Don't be afraid to become a creative and imaginative with your own physical challenges. And don't be afraid to not tell anyone about it. Don't be afraid to come up with that because guess what's going to happen? It's going to make you a stronger, more resilient person, not just for yourself, but you can then spread it to your family. You can spread it to your community. You can start acting as that role model to those around you. And don't worry. You don't have to like put up signs or put it on Instagram. 
people will smell it. They'll see it. They'll know. They'll know. So, hope you can recognize that you have the ability to zap yourself. Um, but you can zap it uh, from the inside out. And it is up to you. Welcome to episode 20, Live a Larger Life podcast. I'm James Fitzgerald. I think that's a proper introduction, right? Um, I think I screwed up the, I put the intro and the outro behind the podcast the last time. This is what happens when I'm left to my own devices. Um, and so from here forward, that'll be the intro. Because if you're thinking too, I mean, you probably, take a second here. Yeah, there's probably no reason to have a solid intro. I mean, it just, it has to be, it's probably um, just dressing, right? It's probably just to package it. I get that. But I would assume if uh, you're coming to listen, not follow, um, and you're at 1.5 times, right? Or 2.0, then uh, why have the music at the front end? <clears throat> Anyhow, I have a, a number of things, actually, or the past couple of days that came up that I wanted to put into somewhat of a conversation. Uh, one had to do with uh, the logic around veganism. veganism. Uh, one had to do with uh, uh, sport, sport expression. Mm. Another had to do with uh, a recent podcast I listened to with Ezra Klein and Dan Savage on mating and sex. And so I'm not sure if I can punch it all together. So instead, uh, just yesterday, uh, on January, it's January 10th, 2023. Uh, just in case, I'm not sure if I've mentioned it to everyone here, but uh, others, in case you get mixed up in um, the year, you know how it takes us a couple months to get used to writing 22 at the end. Just think of Michael Jordan, this is the year of Michael Jordan. And even if you don't like that idea, uh, that'll make you remember when you get to stamping your name or uh, putting down the John Henry and there's a date to follow, you will remember that. Um, and uh, shame on you if you don't know why it's the year of Michael Jordan. So it's January 10th, 2023. And uh, yesterday, or actually it's January 11th, yesterday, January 10th, 2023, I uh, was at the Center for American Institutions at Arizona State University. It's uh, almost a two meetings per month, so it averages it out over the school year. And um, the topic that was discussed uh, was, does it matter who is elected to your local school board? And we had two uh, individuals speaking who were just elected to the Scottsdale um, is it unified? Yeah, Scottsdale Unified School District, SUSD. A preamble to this as to why this might be of interest to anyone listening in and how it connects to living a larger life because it uh, indirectly affected me. It indirectly affected my family. It indirectly affected my family's education. And it does affect uh, civility. 
and uh, you know, uh, live a larger life is hoping to promote uh, the questions around what it means to be civil and what it means to um, be in your community and be effective and be a neighbor and uh, communicate with people and have discussions. And uh, so as a preempt, just do a little bit of research um, and Google SUSD uh, COVID SUSD uh, school board uh, issues, um, Google SUSD school board dossier. Um, yeah, and maybe if you don't Google that, then DuckDuckGo it. Um, so you could actually get some real information. Anyhow, to make it short, uh, during the uh, COVID times, um, you know, a lot of parents got to look over their shoulder, look at their kid's shoulder, and see what was happening in school. You know, and uh, whether we like it or not, it brought uh, a tremendous amount of change and awareness. Uh, so there's a couple of things to think about there. As any person who's who's uh, trying to just land in a bucket or good or bad, well, like Thomas Sowell always says, there's trade-offs uh, always in any solution that you're looking for. In this solution would be maybe an answer to you know, was how that how COVID handled in school effective? Well, it depends upon what you want to get from it. I guess one direct line of thinking could be, no, it made a lot of kids um, troubled. Uh, and the other side of that, i.e. the trade-off, is that we got to uh, have transparency as to what's happening. Um and I'll get to that in, you know, in due time here with regards to the solutions of uh, electing individuals to the school board and what the hell that has to do with living a larger life. But uh, the, what happened there um, after you've done the pre-reading or uh, research was, of course, then, you know, uh, the school creates, or the, the, the school district creates um, some guidelines as to how this is going to work out, you know? Um, you know, masking uh, kids, what does social distancing mean? What does uh, safety effectiveness mean for vaccines? Um, you know, uh, just a whole host of things that were collected and uh, thought about and and um, that came came to light, you know, and uh, during that initial period of time, the you know it, during that time, it became quite apparent that uh, these things kind of mattered, you know. I can remember saying on a Zoom call in I forget if it was March or April two thousand twenty, um, I'm not I'm not sure how that all the whole thing is going to turn out, but I'm certainly going to get a great indication of what really matters. And that is, that could be seen in some people's eyes as reactionary for sure. And I would 
I would say that a lot of these two ladies that spoke at uh, CAI yesterday uh, need to own that, that the, that the movement is re reactionary. It doesn't mean that it's, it's uh, not a negative outcome in the end, but uh, it is reactionary. It's reactionary to the idea that uh, COVID happened, S uh, children became of interest in regards to their education, and parents got insight into that. So what do you expect to happen, you know? Especially if you have a school district or school board that was just humming along, right? This is why it's called reactionary that no, well, no one, I mean, they took a poll yesterday with hands up and it's a small number, but I can just tell you personally from 2011 uh, when I got here till 2019 late, um, I had uh, no interest. I had no idea. Um, I, I had no, I wouldn't be able to tell you anything. I, I didn't even know if there was a school board. Okay. So that gives me how far away. And I, it's not just for me. I was representative of a number of people. We take this, uh, idea in mind in the public system that, uh, things will just be taken care of. Right. Sure. There's some, uh, back and forth, with like school, the, the curriculum choices that students have. And we, as parents, we took part in that, um, what school to go to, uh, you know, thank goodness, Arizona is one of the best in the country based upon that for school choice and, and, um, you know, the opportunities for that, which raises everyone's games, in my opinion, conversation for the amount of time. Um, you know, and we, uh, we had, but we had no idea around this. So come 2020 and what happens, you know, we get, uh, we get, let's just say a majority of people who don't agree, uh, with what's happening with their children for this idea of school, but the decisions to be made as to what should happen for schooling, um, are in the hands of these people who are on the school board. So now the individuals on the school board, uh, have a tough job, right? Uh, they have a tough job. They have to do a lot of stuff, mainly volunteer. Uh, and make some really difficult decisions um, while holding uh, a political stick. Uh, again, I'll, I'll include a little bit of that. How that's the downside of the system. Um, and they also need to hold uh, a moral stick. Um, and they need to hold, uh, let's call it an educational stick. You know, because it's we really want to grow young people in schools so they can be great uh, citizens, right? And um, regardless of public or private, okay, just think of it. I mean, what, what's the purpose of the education? Um, and I see there's also trade-offs in that. I see I could see it in different lights. So some people could say, well, you're just asking kids to sit down all day, lined up in a row, and uh, just be, um, you know, robots, just taking in information. You could see it as that. Or you could see it as an opportunity for young people to grow with their peers um, and socialize so that, they could learn some things along the way and then get out there and be good uh, citizens, you know? And so during that period of time, um, yeah, as I said, there was a lot of uh, uh, strife between what happened um, or the decisions that were made. And it brings us to um, uh, an election cycle in 2022 and more recently. And because of what happened, 
i.e. the reactionary approach, uh, there was lots of energy that was then placed in uh, replacing uh, some of the individuals that were making those decisions on the school board. And two of those individuals that uh, went for uh, office, or the, sort of the, the elected position for the school board, were uh, Amy Carney and Corrine Werner. And if that's not correct, because I think it was, yeah, it was Corrine Werner. Yeah, Corrine Werner and Amy Carney. Anyways, these uh, wonderful ladies spoke yesterday at CAI and talked about um, how, how it came to be, you know, what was their intentions on what was happening. And they, in my personal opinion, they had great intentions. Um, that is, you know, uh, well, what do you do? What do you do if you just sit back and things are great and all of a sudden you're like, no, no, that's not good. And you look around like these ladies did um, and they weren't happy with the fact that people were staying silent and uh, not having discussions and letting this stuff uh, move over very quickly into the decisions around their children. Uh, Amy specifically gave some uh, two really good indications of, um, actually, she ha I believe she has four or six kids. I'm not sure, but anyways, got to give it to her. Uh, she uh, mentioned uh, one of her childs was a senior and played senior sports. That really hit home for me. Um, to think about, you know, uh, regardless of what your thoughts are for safety of uh, young people spreading COVID and killing grandparents, um, which was a lie, um, you have to be, you have to have a large amount of empathy for that senior. I can remember myself and all the the thoughts that were built, the relationships that were built, the confidence that was built as being a senior in high school. And to not have that, not to have that graduation, that last year, kind of the rite of passage outside of high school into, quote unquote, let's call it tier two of three tiers of real life, um, along with not playing sports. Well, man, I don't know. I don't know. So she mentioned that one child. She also had another child with a disability. Yeah, that had a hard time with uh, virtual um, school, and she gave a small, very small tidbit story around that. And then another younger child who um, was really social. So um, her story was that uh, Kareen was uh, in a similar area, had kids uh, through the system, and. Um, didn't talk as much about the effects that it had for her children, but did talk about what she was in disagreement with, with how things were handled for the school board. So it gives them, you know, hopefully I set them up as, uh, you know, these are two individuals who saw what was happening from 2020 onward, who said, okay, there's an election cycle coming up where uh, we want to, you know, have these, get these seats on the school board. And they did it and they won. Um, just beside the fact, regardless of what you think about electability and cash and whatever, um, it takes a lot of work. And um, so got to give it to them to that. This is still, remember, on the back end of me recognizing and believing that this is just a reactionary process. It's a reaction to, you know, what happened, i.e. the sleeping sleeping giant uh, was, was awakened. And uh, you had a lot of uh, mamas 
who didn't like that, you know. Um, I'm also going to get to how there could be a downside over correction to that too, with regards to uh, uh, free speech uh, issues and uh, curriculum oppression and things like that. Uh, we will get to that, but anyways, you got to give it to these girls. And so they, they spoke and then questions were supposed to be the way that the uh, CAI is set up is uh, they have these meetings where there's a, just a, you know, uh, a welcome and then a small introduction as to who's going to be there. It's the speakers for 20 to 30 minutes. And then, which is, I kind of find it pretty interesting and uh, great, uh, let's call it social connector. We're always looking for those institutions where you can have a social connector with people, you know, outside of uh, um, just the usual ones. Um, and uh, so back at the table after that speaker speaks, we get a brief period to ask some questions. That's always generally corrupted <laughs> by some people who just want to ask the big heavy ones that sometimes don't pay, pay attention to the topic. But um, this day... Um, the uh, back of the tables, or all the time, sorry, back of the tables. Uh, we have to take these two questions. Um, and every time you get two questions, and you have to discuss amongst your table, and there's generally four tables with six to eight people per table, where you have to answer the questions as a table, and then someone has to report back at the end. So there's four reporters that report back. So the questions we had to discuss were what should voters look for, when vetting school board candidates, and then what can be done to have more voters cast ballots for school board candidates. And um, I just had a, uh, I had a really, you know, I had a lot of, a lot of thoughts on uh, at our table, and I answered pretty quickly. Um, I think it was just based upon logic, but I answered pretty quickly as to what I think voters should look for when vetting school board candidates. Um, voters uh, should look for someone with time and someone with money. And that's the first two things that I thought um, should be most important. And I probably need to give you a, a larger background as the responsibilities of the job or and some other things, but some other some other answers were interesting. Some people thought that uh, character was big. Uh, someone needs passion. Uh, someone needs, um, you know, other tables thought. Believe it or not, that they should be pretty. Um, I shit you not. That's what was one of the one of the things. Uh, they need to be likable, uh, electable. So um, um, they should be. They should have children in the system. You know. Um, and I, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just gonna, maybe I'm just gonna send the question out so you could think about it. What, sh what should voters look for when vetting school board candidates? Um, again, I'll go back on what I thought about time and money. Time, why time? Well, there's a lot of time that's necessary for what's involved. It's not just you don't just show up at meetings, um, right? There's background stuff that's done. Pro, you know, it's it's volunteer, you know. Um, which I'll get to my next point on why you need money um, or uh, wealth, let's say, and cash in bank, you know, no concerns over uh, 
I don't know, uh, taken a flight to Denver because you wanted to speak to a school board person up there about some of the systems that they have in place for judicial uh, things or legal consequences of moving stuff through the school board, right? See, do you see why you did that? You did that because you got time and you got money, but you're just doing it because you want to improve your own school board system. Anyways, um, you need time because of what's required for it. So uh, let's say when it was a sleeper and things just moved through and you had a, um, uh, a largely, uh, largely radical left ideas moving through the system sleepily for many years, I'd say 15 to 20 years. This is just based upon my historical context of I'm grouping it an entire North American governance of education. But it was moving through and it was quiet and there was some bleeps, right, when, um, you know, there were issues around uh, bathroom selections and uh, uh, sex gender ideology stuff. You heard that murmurs where people like kind of poked their head up as parents, you know, in the community like, what? Yeah, this is interesting, you know, happening at my school. Um, and then COVID, as I said, just like created an onslaught of all of these things. So again, now sex, gender, ideology, race and you know safety effectiveness of vaccines and the covid you know socialization etc cetera, et cetera, that came like severely to the to the forefront um so you do need time um and i'm not sure how someone who is working nine to five or responsible for something outside of the school board from nine to five i'm not sure how you can make it work um, unless you have a, uh, a committed time to, you have a committed time to those other things, um, that's outside of what you could dedicate to the school board, uh, hours. And it is maybe inside of some more research I have to do on the requirements of the position, but, uh, you got to have time. And then, uh, secondly, because I thought about this, the if you do the research on what happened at SUSD um, and what Amy and Corinne, um, apologize, Corinne, if you're if you if it's pronounced Karen, but Karen talked about Corinne talked about. I see it as Corinne. Sorry, maybe it's Canadian for me. C A R I N E. Um, what they discussed, you could tell that their intentions were based upon not liking the person that was on the school board. He was. Because uh, they said it like this, he was a 23-year-old with, you know, immoral values. Okay, so you could see that that is front-ending something that is churning them, right? And so, what do you think the answer, or what do you think that the story that they're going to want to push when they go out there and say this is who we should have elected, right? They're going to have a complete opposite of that. Number one, it's going to be female, and number two, it's going to be a parent. Number three, it's going to be older. So again, that's not what I'm saying recommended, but that's the reactionary thing you're going to get from that. And my point that I made in my table was that I can guarantee you that I could find, uh, I could find, if I could cherry pick, and it would take a bit, but I could find it, over 100, I would guarantee you, 25-year-olds around the country who sit on a school board, who are... Uh, uh, not married, don't have children, um, um, but they do a damn good job. 
of what's required for the position on the school board. So even to that point in itself, that is an argument against saying, oh, we should reduce it to these particular people. Now, I know you could throw in like, you know, well, the president can't be, be 35 or Senate or governors have to be this. Well, okay, that's great. We're talking about, um, and again, I apologize, I should be more clear on the requirements and the, and the policies that are in place for the responsibilities of the school board uh, representative. But I really don't think I really don't think that's the case. I really, and, I, and I'm really hesitant to say things that people want to hear, which is, you know, character, right? Um, and uh, likability. When I think of character, I think it becomes really subjective because if you're not aware, anyone could pull one over, right? And that ties in character plus politics. Um, you, could, you could do a lot of things online, um, to make you really likable. You could also stand in front of a crowd and read the room and make you very likable. Uh, the, the point that was proven yesterday or that was brought up was a really good one um, that uh, it can't only be about likability with a connection to where you sat with politics. And this is where the character politics thing comes in to question like, what, do, what, what should you look for when you're gonna have a school board candidate? Um, you know, there's probably a strong argument for, but anyway, so the point was being is that a lot of people who voted for Reagan also voted for Clinton. Now, of course, I can't give you stats on what a lot of, but you got to ask the question why, and, and it generally had to do with that likability. But my point is I'm looking over that saying, yeah, but they may have had two different policies or they may have had two different, um, you know, action plans. They may have had, and this is to bring it down to your school board, it can't only be about liking them, right? And for sure, shit, it can't be about attractiveness. That was kind of squashed by Don yesterday uh, a little bit. I'm sure it irked a, a number, of, number of people in the crowd. She, and she was being honest, but I mean, I just think it's unfortunate that they're thinking about that. Um, yeah, but in, in the end, and maybe maybe it's just me trying to, it's my logical self uh, for that. But uh, I do have something to say about it because my girls are inside this district. And so if I'm going to um, put a vote down um, in, a, in two years, uh, when I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America, um, that should actually be the opener. I'm going to open every, every podcast with that, actually. Um, if I'm going to do that, then I'm, I really don't care about... Uh, about, uh, uh, or I shouldn't say I care as much about your political tint, um, or your character or et cetera. I want you to do your fucking job. Um, and I don't care if you're volunteering, um, you got to do your job. Um, you got to do your job for the citizens of that community and you got to do your job relative to what we want, which is children to grow with knowing how to think, not what to think. That's the end. That needs to be the telos of the entire project. And it, it can't be uh, uh, what, you know, everyone in the room, well, I should say 98% of everyone in the room had a conservative tilt. 
and the point raised at the table by Judy was that this person should be a conservative and I disagreed right away with that. I said uh, right away you don't know what what the public perceives to be the language of conservative, right? Um, I'm small c conservative because uh, as was discussed at the table there's been a realignment that's been happening in political views over the past 20 years and this realignment has created some positive things like uh, the new right or a, uh, a social conservative uh, fiscally conservative um, group that is still not in the bucket of the RNC or the GOP um, so they could be left alone they could be just an independent they could just be out nowhere in no man's land um, I'm, I'm strictly in no man's land because I can't vote um, and so I have no say whatsoever and I'm learning but uh, I don't think you can have that so uh, again this person has to have time on their hands and if that time comes because they have a lot of cash I think they're a great candidate so let's just back up here and say it is possible in a separate universe that this person who was actually forced off the school board uh, was 23 year old male who did some actions that were quite questionable in my opinion and legally would show that too um, but it's quite possible if we were around the story it was 2019 that he could have done a fantastic job so we would not have had right so he could have been he could have been someone who when he was given the the go uh, in June you know sorry in March or April to say okay we got to shut this whole thing down he could have resigned and said no I will not do that we can't allow this to happen right the studies are showing as weeks go on that older people are severely affected more so by this connected to that are predispositions that are connected to lifestyle right and the strength of a person's immune system so if you're if you're a person who has uh, you know responsibilities around taking care of those that are not that population those that are the farthest away from that population you know he could have done that but he didn't right he didn't so my point being in a different universe where that did happen and he stood up like a lot of other people in different professions did and good on you for doing it I hope you survived through there's a lot of people that didn't anyways he did he kowtowed and he sucked from the teats because in the end this is my personal opinion on it he had further political ambitions so it's what it was what ate that basically ended him he had deeper longer ties to political ambitions and so he was going to do quote-unquote what he was told not what the parents wanted right not what the parents wanted which remember he's representing not what the community wanted which remember he was representing do you see what I'm saying so you can't just say that it was due to him being 23 years old and male and being immoral in the actions that was a result in um, looking for the characteristics of someone who's not that and that is called reactionary those reactionary situations create compensations here's the compensations that are going to occur you heard it 
from the table in the room. They want a conservative candidate. There's a lot of positive things that you can have inside of that conservative candidate. Families, uh, or sorry, values that I hold dear, like the strength of a family, the strength of a man and woman and his children and her children, and the strength of a community of those people. So I, I understand that, but but I, I think that as an example, which I'll discuss in the Dan Savage, Ezra Klein podcast one, I think, uh, actually, I know that I uphold those things as being strong, number one, because I am a man and I do have a woman as my wife and I do have children, but also um, I it makes sense to me. It's got nothing to do with the Bible. It's got nothing to do with um, uh, what uh, a deity has said or specific values. No, it, I do it because it makes sense to me. And it makes sense for community. And it makes sense for civilization. So you can't, you can't push that. And the reason why, again why I'm hesitant to say that that person should now be in place for that, for the school board candidates, is that you're going to now get into uncomfortable territory of what your group wants you to uh, have control over, which is curriculum or conversations on curriculum. And I'll give you a quick example of this. This was brought up yesterday, and I knew this was the this is the area in which I was going to have disagreements is based upon the political tint that people should have when you're vetting for school board candidates. Um, is that the things that they brought up, you know, they said in the room, Amy and Kareen, they said, we want to get rid of this 1619 bullshit, right? We want to uh, see what the, you know, she said, the, the, uh, Kareen said it, she said, I've seen the curriculum for high school literature, and it's bullshit. And it's at that point where I saw, I recognized, okay, this is, this is the downside of the overcorrection of the reactionary approach to having a conservative view inside of the school board. A quick solution to it, before I get back to my point, is you should have an American view and a constitutional view where all people are created equal in the pursuit of liberty and happiness. And I may, may have uh, misspoke or changed those words, but you know, that will hold true for everything, it's got, it's got nothing to do with right or left, up or down, back or forth. It, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The, the overcorrection, if, in case you, you're not getting it, why I do have an issue with it, is that, and for good reason, remember, for good reason, you know, listen to uh, James Lindsay uh, go really deep. I'm not going to say way too deep because it's required, but deep on... Um, uh, SEL, uh, ESG, CRT, those three big hitters that should be on everyone's, or go read uh, Cynical Theories. 
uh, read a book on postmodernism, you know? So for good reason, I understand it, right? I understand it. But, but, but bring it back to this. And I, I, I go personal on it. I sit back and say, yeah, but what do I want from my child and her learning? Because Hannah is now, and as you may, have, may know, I read along with what she's reading, uh, not because I'm looking over her shoulder, uh, because I want to have conversation with Hannah. Um, and I want to talk to her about things. I want Hannah reading How to Be an Anti-Racist. I want Hannah reading Robin D'Angelo's Garbage. I want her reading that. I want her reading uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones and that group, um, the 1619 Project. I want them uh, reading that. And so if, if you're a parent saying, no, there's no way we can have that, um, you are not seeing that you are you are oppressing what is real, like what's reality. I, I listen. I don't I don't give a shit what you think about it, right? But it's reality. So if you start taking the steps towards preventing your child from knowing how to think versus what to think, see this is this is the slip that they're making that I brought up. If you if you push really hard back against that. Like you put your stake in the ground with uh, not the separation of church and state and you jump on a conservative bandwagon and you say, this is the stake in the ground. That's not going to be a winning solution in the future. That's not going to be a winning solution. If you instead stand behind what the Constitution says and what opportunities we have of our Bill of Rights for freedom of speech, it is up to you as a parent to have the discussions or to put pressure on school board officials who would have something to do with communication with teachers. I'll give you a personal example of it. My daughter's English teacher is a wonderful person because, or I'll say I'm, I'm completely judging here, but it's because she does have that. She, Hannah and I have read through uh, all the previous material, you know, we had, I had spoken about another book called uh, Black Like Me, um, uh, uh, you know, A Man's Search for Meaning. I'm going to give you a list of them. These are ones that are off the curriculum. These are ones that just Hannah and I read. And the teacher uh, appreciates that because she, well, what is also in her curriculum as an example was uh, Plato's Republic, uh, the Iliad, um, and now Why the Caged Bird Sings. So, and the and the list goes on of of uh, you know I call them you know uh, fantastic books. Again, we're going to get into Amy Tan's The Joy Luck Club as well. And I mean, I want my whole point being there. Those books can be partnered up next to that other garbage, right? Like Kendi's stuff. I, I consider it garbage, but I do want my daughter reading it. And there has to be a debriefing after, right? Now, if that's not going to happen at your school, then you need to make a decision based upon who you're going to hire for school board or what you're going to do with the teachers. So as an example, uh, to make this just this very fine point, if your teenager is, is at the end of the discussion on Kendi's work in school are coming home saying, 
uh, things, you know, the circular argument on racism, then it is up to you. You have, you have a couple of choices. It's up to you as a parent to have that discussion with them, bring facts to the table, do your research, right? So you can have a discussion with them. And then it's up to you to do something, boots on the ground, conversation, discussions with the teacher. These, and these are not violent fights. These are conversations. My whole point being is that you never know what's on the other side. Maybe that teacher um, is like maybe the school board people have been pressured or coerced into um, coerced into what they think is appropriate for the time, right? It's 2023, you know, uh, George Floyd protests. Oh, well, geez, we should really uh, look into this reading. I mean, that, that honestly could be their decision, right? So maybe they need an adult. That's going to speak to them eye to eye and say, hey, um, for for uh, for Robin D'Angelo's book, please also, uh, could you put Shelby Steele's book right after that called White Guilt? Could you also recommend some podcasts um, uh, from uh, Glenn Lowry? Could you also um, give, a, give get them to have some conversations with an organization called FAIR that I'm a part of, uh, Foundation Against Intolerance and Racism. You know, and guess what you're going to find with all those people? They're going to come back to a centered idea argument on the beautiful project called America. That's what they're going to come back to. When everyone's in the room, they're all going to make the decisions on that. And that's the, that's the thing that will bind, in my opinion, anyways, all of it. That's what should be based upon the character because when you say that you're doing it, and this is just short term, but you're doing it for America, uh, it means that you're doing it because you want young people to grow up knowing how to think so they become great citizens. You do not, you do not want to tell kids what to think. And if you prevent, if you prevent the 1619 Project or ideas that could be arguable, you know, a little bit more intense. If you prevent that from happening, you are falling prey to the same trick. You're falling prey to it. Now you're, you're, you know, all I'm saying is that there could be some still good morals inside of choosing that road, but you're not going to have an open-minded child grow up and live in society. You need that child. You need to do the hard work. You need to do the reading together. You need to have conversations around the supper table, and you need to keep bringing it up, right? There's some argument to be made there around their brains, their capability, etc. But uh, and I'm sorry that was a little lengthy on curriculum, but this is that's that's where my line of thinking kind of got kind of got stuck with what was presented as a candidate. So maybe we shouldn't look for anything when vetting school board candidates. Maybe we should listen. So there also is an argument that could be made for uh, time and money and what you end up with, right? But my point still being is that you can get someone who has no political stance or is not part of the Republican National Party or the Democratic National Party um, and maybe they're just, maybe they're nothing, whatever that word is, uh, independent, agnostic to the, 
to the polit political agnostic, um, that is young. That does a damn good job. Maybe, how, how do you know that they don't have wealth, right? Maybe they only do two hours a day of uh, program design. And, and, and they make 5,000 bucks a month, right? You don't know that. So, and I just say 5,000 because it's around, that's what it takes to have a home in uh, Scottsdale now. Uh, just to be by yourself. Yeah, it's like, it's escalating. It's getting up to the mid-60s. It's ridiculous. Anyways, um, you know, they could do a fine job, but it's got nothing to do with uh, their sex. It's got nothing to do with their politics. They have time on their hands. And they have money. Money means they don't have to, you know, uh, work nine hours a day, another job just to have all the cash available to uh, to have the food and to have a bed so they can sleep, so they can get up and do school board things, you know. Um, and those people, um, you know, have are a big part of the community. They are now. As I said before, I didn't recognize it being important. But now it's important. That's the positive side of the reactionary effect to it. That's what I said. You know, there is some positives to having these ladies, you know, uh, come to the front and be brave enough to say, no, we have to, we have to see the insides of this. And you could tell that they were um, uh, immature, meaning immature only in, in the professional sense of school board uh, professionalism. Um, I should use a different word because people always attach immature with something that uh, I think of as childish, but they were, they were uh, new. Yeah, they were new, new people to the process. They could tell that they didn't know about some of the judicial process that they had to get some coaching on the finances and budget and et cetera. But uh, again, back to my point, you could find 25 year olds who are magicians at budget and numbers and legalities. You could have that person, right? And, and how do you know that they don't, uh, they haven't sold an app and made a, a million dollars and they're just like, you know what? I want to do something for my community and my future, uh, place for my children to grow up. You know, they very well could do that and they could do a damn good job of it. But that person has to go door to door to prove that to me. So that can happen. And people should maybe look for anything. You should listen when you're vetting school board candidates. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. So 2024, there's going to be, um, oh, here's another reason why this overcorrection is not good. They are already, I mean, this is why they came to speak at CAI. They need to put the word on the street to get interest, of course, so that they can sway the district uh, for the values that they want to have inside the SUSD. So I hope you're, hope you're seeing what I'm saying out there. There's a number of people in the community of Scottsdale who don't, whether they care or not, or don't know or not, they don't give a shit about your political bent. They don't give a shit about it. Secondly, they also want what's best for young people to grow up in their in their society. Listen, there's a lot of people out there who can vote, and they don't have children in the system, right? So how are you going to influence those people? Are you going to say, 
oh, vote for me. I don't want the 1619 project in our schools. Is that what you're going to say? Can you see what's going to happen in 2024 if that's the case? Because these ladies now are out on the street. They spoke about it. They sent out um, uh, times when the next uh, meetings are and how you can attend um, and what to say. You know, so they're they're for good reason. I mean, this is part, this is great because it's part of the democratic process, right? You get more people out, you're going to get what's coming to you. Um, but I think that it's an overcorrection, and I think what we need to have in the future is um, maybe a little bit more insight as to who these people are for the amount of time they have on their hands and how much money they have. And we could figure this out, folks. You could figure this out. Um, as well as uh, maybe a proven track record as to what they're going to do for the job. So I, you could see how the argument could be that the ultimate individual for this is actually someone who, who is not a current parent. They may have had kids in the system, but they're not a current parent of someone in the system. They are close to being retired, and they have time on their hands, right? So this person is probably going to have money, is probably going to have time, but their intention is going to be to give back because they want to ensure that the future and the future generations grow into live in their, in their society so it can help them out when they're older. Helping them out when they're older can look like a bunch of different things, but basically just make sure that things are running smoothly, right? Just think about that 70-year-old right now who still has their cognitive capabilities, who's looking at what's happening with, um, you know, that 70-year-old is looking at the University of Michigan, right, this week, seeing that they paid or they have an $18 million, I think it could be incorrect on this, but an $18 million budget for DEI. $18 million for diversity, equity, and inclusion systems in a university. Just think about how that, what that 70-year-old, do you think that 70-year-old is going to, most of them anyways, are going to be so excited to start pumping money into just this generalized consensus of education? Do you really think so? Do you really think that's going to, quote-unquote, get them off their seats and vote for individuals? Right? The same can be said for their lack of voting of that older individual for people who are going to overcorrect and not shine the light on teaching kids how to think versus what to think. So you may have um, something I'll ask anyone who's listening to think about is contemplate on that notion of, uh, you know, the, it's, the, it's the funny thing that we could just do in a, in a moment of meditation. If I had that job, what would I do? Yeah, uh, you know, write that stuff down. Don't share it. Don't tell anyone about it. But you need to come to a consensus as to what you think would be the best plan. Because inside of you writing down that plan, uh, like I did and I'm practicing it here with you, um, you're going to come to some uh, challenges with what you believe to be true and what you believe to be good principles uh, for a civilized society. Some may have also listened to uh, this and never knew that school boards were a thing. They never knew, or maybe someone is listening in and thought that the whole school board debacle was largely due to this one person. Some may be listening in thinking that uh, social isolation 
and vaccinating everyone was a positive. Some may be listening in um, that uh, wanted to run for the hills. You know, some may be listening in that uh, want to homeschool their children for the future. You know, some may not be in Arizona and understand how wonderful education system is here in Arizona. Some may not have that choice. I just spoke to a parent this weekend. Um, our conversations were on immigration um, and my story of immigrating here, uh, the southern border immigration conversation. But inside of that, he talked about uh, his move from New Mexico to Arizona uh, for those particular reasons of uh, what he wanted for education and what Arizona had for opportunities for education for his child. He moved his family for that. My whole point being is that there may be some listening in who may not think that they have um, any energy to give or anything to do and they're kind of stuck. No, you have to formulate your own plan as to what you think you would do for this one of these, one of these questions. What should voters look for when vetting school board candidates? And it'll raise a whole bunch of, uh, whole bunch of things. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening in. I wanted to bring it up as a uh, something that uh, uh, you know, is, is, you know, I call it like off the, it's off the books for a CCP. Um, and, but if, if fitness is going to have a part to play and physical expression and resilience, and let's call it the, the, the move, the movement philosopher or the philosophy, philosophizing mover, you know, if this is going to be a part of uh, what we want to have in society, then these conversations um, are important uh, because they do connect to that. And if you're not connecting the dots, I'll be very brief on it. Um, how do you think policy is created for what your kid does for physical expression? How do you think policy is created as to what comes into the schools for lunchtime options? How do you think policy is created for what... Um, you know, how it's handled in the class when uh, your child is, uh, is threatened because they, they mentioned that obesity could be unhealthy for people, right? So you don't think that that's going to happen? That's going to happen. And so this is why the conversation on conversations, the conversation on debate, the idea on particular tough topics like this do fall inside of the context of living a larger life. And that is under the idea that we want people, we want individuals to uh, be civil, to uh, make good decisions in what they choose for their fueling and for moving every day and learning. And uh, I guess the end of it, the end of it would be that uh, we want to focus on that helping kids learn how to think, not what to think. Uh, in closing, because it's on my wall, um, I'll leave you with a uh, uh, quote from Frederick Douglass. If there is no struggle, there is no progress. <laughs>